You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 93A by Rudolf Steiner, 31 lecture notes by participants, entitled Foundations of Esotericism, translated by Vera and Judith Compton Burnett. This is Lecture 7, given in Berlin on the 2nd of October, 1905. Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, entitled The Secret Doctrine, called Jehovah a moon god, There is a deep reason underlying this. In order to understand it, we must be clear about the further development of man. In the human being, as he is today, his higher forces are intermingled. His further development depends on the emergence of his higher self from the sheath of the lower forces and organs. The brain is divided into three actual parts, into thinking, feeling, and willing sections. Later, these three parts, like the three divisions of an anthill, will be directed by man from outside. The parts, however, from which the higher has been withdrawn do not remain as they are today, but they then descend a further stage lower. This is the reason why many people, practicing a one-sided spiritual development, suffer a moral decline. In the case of Western cultural life, There is less danger of this, for Western science does not yet compel the higher things of the mind to rise up out of the lower body. On the other hand, through theosophy, the human being actually absorbs a wisdom through which the ego, the I, capital, is partially torn out of the usual environment of the organs. It can happen that when a person who through his conventional milieu had observed ordinary moral standards, takes up theosophical teachings, his more questionable qualities, which up to that time had remained hidden, actually make their appearance. Frequently the lower comes to the surface, because one occupies oneself with spiritual things without, at the same time, strengthening one's morality. This fact brings with it a certain tragedy. Certain individuals of academic standing who in the sphere of Western knowledge had been quite admirable people, suffered through having come into the Theosophical Society. In their case, the lower nature made its appearance without being mastered by the higher. The same law is also to be found on a larger scale. The beings whom we meet with on the old moon had not as yet incorporated their power of thinking in a physical brain. In the case of the moon, nirmanakayas, bodhisattvas, pitris, and pure human beings, the power of thinking did not yet work in the physical brain, but in the ether masses surrounding them. The environment on the old moon consisted not just of air, but also of ether filled with wisdom. On the old moon, thoughts were not in the individual beings, but flew hither and thither in the ether. 
In occultism, therefore, the old moon is also called the cosmos of wisdom. The old moon was surrounded by warmth ether and other forms of ether. In these ethers lived intelligence and reason as they now live in the human brain. Underlying this, however, there was development. At the beginning of the moon evolution, wisdom still impressed itself into beautiful forms. The beings who only possessed the lower human members, physical body, etheric body, and astral body, were directed by these streams of wisdom. In the course of further development, the three lower bodies descended more deeply. When the old moon evolution came to an end, the beings who were wise but did not possess wisdom in a brain had progressed so far that they could completely relinquish these lower bodies. These beings, who had now become pitris and who no longer needed to enter into such physical, etheric, and astral bodies, made up the hosts of the Elohim in different stages. The lowest rank of these Elohim is the Jehovah stage. Jehovah, therefore, is an actual moon divinity, who on the old moon passed through physical development. Nevertheless, on the moon, he was never able to work on the physical surroundings, using a brain as the vehicle of thought. Only his physical, etheric, and astral bodies had worked on the physical environment. He did this through pictures, however. Thinking hovered above. The name Jehovah does not designate a single being, but a rank in the order of the hierarchies. Many beings can take on the Jehovah rank, or assume it for a purpose. Eliphas Levi repeatedly emphasized that with the designations Jehovah, Archangeloi, Angeloi, we have to do with ordered ranks of beings. The first human beings to receive teaching on the earth received it in pictures from Jehovah. That is why Genesis is the sum of great pictures, pictures which Jehovah had experienced on Old Moon. On Old Moon, while, on the one hand, only the lower being of man was developed in physical, etheric, and astral bodies, on the other hand, the higher trinity was being cherished and fostered. These principles had reached a certain degree of maturity after having been implanted Atma on old Saturn, Buddhi on old Sun, Manas on old Moon. They could then develop further on the earth. What came over to the earth from the old Moon as physical, etheric, and astral bodies are the grotesque animals in which Atma, Buddhi, and Manas gradually incorporated themselves. The moon Pitris had left aside the lower parts, but to make up for this they had cherished and fostered Atma, Buddhi, and Manas in an objective way. Through their fostering care they brought it about that a thinker could develop on the earth. If one looks at the external creatures on Old Moon, these are the sheaths which surrounded man, not man himself. The sheaths could be made use of because what had to leave them had departed. Bracket, there is a gap in the text, close bracket. 
Now the remaining material could be condensed to form the brain. In a germinal condition, the matter for the brain was there, but could only condense after the petris had left. What took place in the pre-Lemurian age is a preparation. The human body is so worked upon that atma, buddhi, and manas can sink into it. These principles envelop themselves with kama substance. Let us now imagine a jelly-like being which had freed itself from what had come over from old moon. This provides a physical foundation. In addition to this, there are atma, buddhi, and manas, and an astral body which these principles organize around themselves. They work on the jelly-like masses from outside until they are able to take possession of them from within. Finally, the spiritual penetrates the physical. Now, two kinds of beings have amalgamated. The moment the brain is formed, they interpenetrate one another. Through this, birth and death entered into earth evolution. Previously, human beings had themselves built up the physical body. In the future, this will be so again. But because two beings are united, who are only partially suited to one another, we have birth and death. And every period of time between birth and death is a continual attempt to make these two beings fit together better, a swinging to and fro of the pendulum, until eventually a rhythmical condition is brought about. Up to the middle of the sixth root race, epoch, this will continue until this rhythmical condition is attained and the one being has become completely adapted to the other. And karma is nothing else than the measure of balance which the human being has already brought about. In each single incarnation, one attains a certain degree of adaptation. After each incarnation, man must ascend again to Devakan in order to survey what has still to be done. Only when the balance is achieved is karma overcome and the human being can take up something new, the true wisdom, buddhi, which until that time must be fostered and cherished. Future evolution must be prepared for. What man already produces from himself as preparation for the future human being is the word, speech. What man speaks remains in the Akashic record. It is the germinal beginning for the future human being. Speech is one half of the former means of reproduction. Through speech man propagates himself spiritually. The breaking of the male voice is connected with this. One half of what is sexual has been carried over into speech. The voice is the future organ of reproduction. In ancient Hebrew, the same word was used for sex and speech. Today man thinks, and the thought passes outward through the larynx. The next stage will be that feeling, warmth, passes outward. Then the word will be the expression of the inner warmth of the body. This can happen when the pituitary gland, hypophysis, develops in the brain. The stage following this appears when the pineal gland, epiphysis, is developed. 
then not only the warmth imbued word will go forth, but the word will remain, will be given form through the will, which then lives within it. Then when one utters the word, it becomes an actual being. Related to this is, quote, I think, I feel, I am, close quote, in parentheses, will. The word in this sense is, in quotes, the word, which undergoes a transformation from thinking into feeling and then into willing. This is a threefold process. First the word is, in quotes, consciousness in thinking, then, in quotes, life, the warmth permeated word, and lastly, form, the word shaped through the will. This latter is the word become objective. So, here too, following one another, we have consciousness, life, form. Everything which today is form stems from earlier times and has arisen through such a process. The physical body, the form, is the most perfected body. Less developed are the etheric body, life, and the astral body, consciousness. The end of Lecture 7.